You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands in the leisure and entertainment industries get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit nicolarowley.com for more details and read Nicola's Amazon best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. I've got a treat for you today. I have a a famous actress on with me. She's actually called Florence Andrews. And if you are in my world, you'll know her because she's helped in my visibility course. So Florence actually helps entrepreneurs step out of hiding so that they can create more impact and more income in their businesses. But that isn't only what she does and how she got into this is through her acting. So I want to start with that. So welcome to the podcast, Florence. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to you. So like I've kind of watched your online career and then, you know, was I watch things and suddenly you're in them. Like a massive one was the, the Gucci film from last year. You were one of the main featured characters in that. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that came to be. Yeah, that was crazy because, I mean, most of my career has been in the West End, been in theatre, and I've been trying to get into screen work for ages. But just as in business, you know, you kind of niche yourself and get known for a certain area. And I think it was the, well, yeah, it was just the end of 2020. So lockdown was still full on. The last thing I was expecting was any acting work. No, I mean, everything was closed down. And then out of the blue, my agent just said, I've got a self-tape for you for Ridley Scott. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. I'm definitely doing that. And didn't re- I kind of really went for it in the self-tape because I didn't really think I stood a chance if I'm on it. So I was like, well, I'm not, you know, that'll go to some name. So I'll just make some bold moves and bold choices with this. And that literally, I just did that one self-tape. And a few days later, my um, my agent called and said, yeah, you might want to sit down because you've got the role and he loved your tape. And that that was it. It was so fast. I just, I never, you know, I didn't have to go in anywhere. That's crazy. Um, you didn't have to go in an audition. No, it was just, well, we couldn't at the time. Everybody no, COVID. And uh, I literally had about a month until I had to fly to Italy where we did Milan, Lake Como and Rome over six weeks because I had to quarantine as well while I was there. And it was just the most, like, obviously it was like mix of emotions because I'm away from my little kids for six weeks. Like one second I was crying, going <laughs> scrolling through pictures of them. And the next I was like spread eagle on a hotel bed, just like, yes! <laughs> the people you worked with on yeah. that film, what an experience. Oh, it was just totally pinched me. I mean, it really, I really did have to, it's one of those moments where I, I often talk about living your message. And I really had to because I, I, you know, I, I talk about show off shame that a lot of us have. Yeah. And I remember one of my big scenes, I was like, just show off, Flo, just show off, like, you know, let yourself <laughs> show off. But it was nice as well, because, you know, there was there I was with like Lady Gaga. I mean, there was this what the first day I filmed, it was Lady Gaga, Al Pacino, Adam Driver and Jared Leto and, and me. 
you mean? How do you come like, to terms with that? And I was like, the, who's has someone made a mistake? <laughs> so every now and then my brain would do a little freak out going, what the frick is going on? But also it was great to see that actually, you know, of course they were just all creatives and Ridley Scott was amazing and really treated everyone the same. He, wow. you know, yeah. So yeah, it was an incredible. That's so period. good. Obviously, if we go back before that, you wanted to be, you wanted to act. That was your profession. Yeah. And as an actress, you've got to be really visible. You've got to put yourself out there. You can't be that person that kind of hides in the shadows and hope someone finds her. And in business, I think there's a lot of people that know they're good at what they do, but they don't shout about it and they don't get out there and be visible and show it. Mm-hmm. And in acting, you couldn't be like that, could you? You, you yeah. have to get, I mean, I've been, a, not on your level, I've been an actress for a time and yeah. you really have to push and push to get yourself seen. Yeah. Are you the type of person, have you been the type of person from a young age where you are happy being really visible? Do you know what? Actually not. Like a lot of this journey started for me when, you know, I I think it was hustle and grit and grind that really got me to where I was for a long time. You know, I had I, I always felt I had a bit of an internal tug of war between knowing what I had, what knowing what I was capable of, you know, having this real passion for performing and yet also this other side of me thinking, who am I to shine, like not wanting to kind of um you know, take up the limelight and I'd self-sabotage a lot. And I got I got to a point in my career where I was a little bit jaded because I was I was so on one level I was very grateful. I was under often understudying the lead for a long time in the West End. So I'd be in the ensemble and I'd be like first cover lead. But I knew I was capable of more. And my mum would say to me, like, it can't be a coincidence that you're always getting ill before every big opportunity. And, I was like, <laughs> and after a while, I mean, it really reached its peak. Like I would self-sabotage all the time in auditions. And then it kind of really reached its peak where I basically had a panic attack during a what, two and a half minute solo on a very big West End stage. And it was horrific. I remember every second of it. But however horrific that was, it was a catalyst for me realising I wasn't going to be able to get where I wanted to go unless I sorted my mind out and got out of my own way. Why do you think you were self-sabotaging? I think... I think a lot, I mean, I don't want to, I think this is men and women, but as a woman, I can speak to the fact that I think a lot of us are are kind of, we get a lot of messaging growing up of don't show off. No one likes to clever clogs, just dim it down a bit. And I think I also had quite a, uh, like a kind of perfectionist streak. Mm. So I was really, you know, if I didn't fully go for it or if I got ill or if I, you know, then I, I had an excuse of why I hadn't got the part, but what would happen if I showed them everything I had and I still didn't get it? So I had, you know, a lot of insecurities underneath that were holding me back that, yeah, I realized that I had to work through. And of course, when I started going into entrepreneurship, I saw it everywhere. I mean, it's so parallel in the entrepreneurial It's hugely parallel. And I think this all the time, how parallel businesses with the entertainment industry and the fact that you can easily self-sabotage yourself from getting what you want. I see people do it with money all the time. I see people doing it with visibility. They think that they want something, but they're so scared that they might get it that actually they stop themselves doing it and they don't even know they're doing it. And I can see it. 
Absolutely. I mean, it, there's something called competing desires that I talk about where essentially, you know, we think that this is where I get a bit woo here, right? <laughs> it's all right. We'll, we'll allow it. <laughs> you know, I'm a bit woo. <laughs> <I do. laughs> um, essentially, like on a universal kind of law level, desire and fulfillment are two sides of the same coin. So if you're not getting your desire fulfilled, then it's not really a top desire, which a lot when I say that people want to punch me through the screen. But I'm like, bear with me, um, <laughs> because usually what's happening happening is a few layers deeper there's a bigger we're committed to something more we we desire something more which is often the desire to stay safe the desire to avoid ridicule the desire to avoid judgment and usually that's actually we're more committed to that than we are to what we think we want or what we say we want and so you know that's why I think when it comes to visibility you know a, a mix of that inner work with the strategy is kind of so often what's needed for a lot of people it's massively needed i yeah. can give people the strategy as much as they want like i can talk strategy all day yeah unless it's a priority for them yeah. it won't mean anything and they won't do anything with it because i've been in that position where i'm a people pleaser i don't want people to judge me i don't want people to bully me online i don't want people to to see me and not like me yeah. and that stopped me from actually if we're honest about it being a multimillionaire. it yeah. stops me from that and if somebody had said that to me well you you know you care more about what people think of you than you do having this extraordinary life I would have said don't be ridiculous of course I don't I will always go for for the latter but if yeah. you look at the actual evidence of it it's very true that I did care yeah. more and it's only I had to do a lot of inner work to yeah. not care about that anymore and to not let that stop me move forward. And I think most people do when it comes to visibility because even the most hard and strong person who thinks that, you know, they're really brave and all of those things, they still deep down care about what people think of them. Absolutely. And, and it's just natural, you know, it's nature. It's it's a normal, it's part of having a normal, healthy human brain. But the thing is success that's outside of, the box isn't normal so we've kind of got to get out of that like not blame ourselves for it and it's not like it ever really goes away like I did my first no my second in-person day I'd ever done yesterday for a group and I was still bricking it beforehand I was still had some nerves before I came on here with you like it doesn't go it's just that we can start to reframe it and have those tools to yeah to be able to move forward and perform under pressure or you know use that adrenaline to our advantage yeah, and adrenaline is a big thing. We can we can either let it stop us or use I was like that on a stage, you know. Yeah. And when I stand on a stage, I brick it still now every time. <laughs> um and you can use that to your advantage. It makes that nervous energy that yeah. I change that energy into like passion and it yeah. works really well on a stage. Do you have people come to you now? Like you now help people to get over this self-sabotage and, and this kind of um, thinking that they want something, but actually other things are more important and realize what is actually more important to them and how they can get through that. Mm -hmm. When people come to you, what's the biggest visibility fear that you see? I think a big one is imposter syndrome, that they're going to get found out that they're not- Like found out that they're not good enough. Yeah, or that they're faking it. If you look, you know, to some of the most successful people, ever you know it's like you know Oprah Winfrey Maya Angelou like Tim Ferriss talked about it you know so many of these big names talk a lot about imposter syndrome and how that's been part of their journey and I often say if you don't have imposter syndrome 
I'd be worrying that you're probably living in your comfort zone because it's a natural thing of like, if you want things you've never had before, you've got to step into arenas you've never stepped in before to before and therefore you're going to feel like you don't belong you know so it's again it's like it is very natural and it's just reframing that and finding tools to move forward despite that but I think that and you know part and parcel of that is is judgment you know they're worried especially like of you know family and friends like what if someone see what if my aunt yeah it's never really strangers on the internet anymore is it it's like my ex-boyfriend yeah exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) What are they going to think of it? Oh, my aunt who hates me talking about money and and yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. But I mean, often I see as well that I think it is a mindset thing largely, but also it's often a clarity thing. So I talk about kind of visibility fear, but also visibility hesitation, which is a slightly different thing. And I find that a lot of people, when they're like hovering over the press go live button or they're kind of thinking about doing that reel and then they stop themselves Often also it's a lack of clarity on their message and how they're different and being brave enough to, well, putting in the work to get clear on that and then being brave enough to voice that. So I think often that messaging piece goes part and parcel with the mindset piece as well. It definitely Um, does. It's why we do mindset and strategy. Like you can't have one without the other. Absolutely. So did you feel imposter syndrome? Like you've been working as an actress all your life. When Mm. you were in that, that set on Gucci, did you feel imposter syndrome? Yeah, I did. I did at times. Yeah, absolutely. I I kind of I remember going in and out of why am I here? I'm going to get found out all those kind of normal voices that often come in. I mean, luckily, I'd done so much work on myself in that area by then that I can spot it when it comes in. um, And I kind of know what to do to help it. But then other times, I would just kind of tap into flow state, you know, which is another thing that can help and kind of just yeah really really allow my give myself permission to stand on that pedestal with everyone else yeah when we talk about showing off like this is talked about a lot in business and obviously as an actress you do show off it's kind of your job um and in business I actually think it should be part of your job too what no one is ever going to sell us like we can sell us we need to talk about the things that we do well to persuade others that we can help them in what they need but because we've grown up in a society that says we shouldn't show off brag whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. people find it really difficult not just to talk about what they do well but to talk about how they've changed lives Mm -hmm. you know clients lives um how much money they've made if that's part of what they do and uh, you know I've got personal trainers that won't put pictures on of how amazing they look because it's showing off and yet that's exactly what a client is going to look at first when booking them how do we get over this inbuilt thing that's in us that we should not be showing off I mean I've I'm over it I now don't mind showing off but I do know that it that comes with a price If I show off, if I talk about money, if I talk about, you know, a 2.5 million launch or how I've helped a client become a millionaire, I will get hate. I just will. And it comes at a price and it's a price I'm willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And so I still talk about it. But somebody that feels like they might not be willing to do that, how do they get over that? Yeah, I think so much of it is putting the impact you want to make first like really coming from a place of service. So, so often when we are in that place of not wanting to boast or not wanting to brag, remember your why, like who are you actually talking to? Because so often we focus on, 
you know, we get worried about the trolls who we're not, they're probably not our ideal client and we're not here to serve over the people we really are speaking to. Like, we think we're speaking to everyone, but we're not. Like, we've got to remember everyone, or, you know, some people who aren't in that ideal client bracket, yeah, they may hear you, yeah, they may get triggered, but what we're, and often triggering people can be a catalyst for you really helping them. But, you know, who are you actually speaking to? Like, so often at the beginning, I would really think about, because all this came up again for me when I started in business, I had to kind of do it again in a different in a different context. So often I think about like, who is that person, like that one person, where are they? And are they in their kitchen? Are they like, where are they when I'm talking to them? And really kind of shine the flash torch out. So often we put it uh, inwards on ourselves and we're kind of thinking it's all about us when actually it's about the message and it's about the service so I think that's definitely a good place to start yeah and I think also remembering if you want to make an impact and you want to make income there are going to be things that you do that are going to feel uncomfortable yeah getting comfortable with discomfort isn't it I mean there was apparently the number there was a point where the number one trending hashtag in the world was I hate Taylor Swift and I often get my clients to like kind of talk about like what would you know in fact I got this from another coach if I'm being totally in integrity here so I I nicked it off them with permission you know to talk about what would their worst hashtag be like if there's someone you know and really look at that because the same as Rihanna when she did the Super Bowl the amount of trolling she got and yet these are people that have millions of raving fans who say yeah. you've changed my life and they're multi, multi, multi millionaires. I think, you know, probably billionaires. So, you know, it's it's about focusing on, you know, who who am I helping? And not just in terms of your clients, but also your loved ones and the ripple effect of that and the opportunities you can give your kids if you're a parent and all of that you know just reframing and choosing where you put your attention and focus yeah I always tell people it's about priorities like are you is your priority the stranger on the internet who is going to control you or is your priority your clients and your family yeah very quickly you can make a decision about that and know what you should really be doing um, and that you do need to be out there being visible and I, I do think sorry I do think as well that if we're really doing a good job we probably, and we're putting our authentic message out there and what we really want to say unfiltered, it's going to be divisive. Like any good art is divisive. Any good, any great brand is going to be divisive. If we're trying to like vanillify ourselves and not offend anyone, which is clearly impossible in 2020. Yeah, even if you try and do that, you will still offend people. I can tell you that now. (laughs) But like, I'm probably offending people right now. Okay, so I'm sorry, guys. But, uh, but, you know, it's going to, it's also not, you know, fine you're not offending anyone maybe if you're really being careful but then you're also not making that impact and so it's are you willing to be divisive and and see that actually that's usually a really powerful thing in business as well it's a massively powerful and I realized there was this three-month period where I was being very vanilla if I'm honest Mm. and I was trying to make everybody like me because I'd been quite divisive on the internet and I'd got quite a lot of hate and I was like do you know what I'm just gonna like tone everything down I'm just gonna be Mrs nice guy I'm just gonna send everything out that's like really I can't offend anyone and in the space of two weeks when I sent four emails 
I still got hate mail. One of them was I'd mentioned going to a steak restaurant in one of my emails. And so I got hate from vegetarians. And the next one was I talked about what we were doing for Mother's Day. And then people who don't didn't have children sent me abuse saying they were coming off my list because I'd mentioned that I was a mother. Yeah. And I realized at that week that it doesn't matter what I do. Mm-hmm. You are always going to be the villain in someone's story and you are yep. always going to be the hero in someone else's story. And actually we should just concentrate on the people that think we are the hero because yep. that's where we're making the difference. But it really changed how I act online because now I really don't care what I say because I'm going to annoy people anyway. So you may as well say the things you really want to say. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So ha- what... If somebody comes to you and they want to be visible and they know they're not being visible and they know they're not being completely authentic um, because of all the things that come up for them, what is the biggest tip that you give them? Oh, that's a tricky one. So, I mean, I take, but essentially I take them through a three-part process. So we look at the magnetic self, the inner work, making sure your ladder's up against the right wall, as in like, is this actually your dream or is it your mum's dream? Like, is this your, your business that you really want to put out there? And then move that into the visibility and the branding piece and then a bit of strategy as well. I wouldn't call myself a strategist, but I will share what's worked for me and really help them find what works for them. I think out of all of it, so much of it is giving themselves, I think actually it probably is that first piece that's the most powerful, giving themselves permission to put their ladder up against the right wall. Like, what do they really want? What is it they really want to build? Because when they've got that strong why and they've given themselves permission to go after their vision, then every, that, that becomes a fuel for all of the challenging moments. I mean, one another piece just on a very tangible kind of level is the performance psychology I bring in. So about 12 years ago, I studied in performance psychology, which I think, you know, is, is one of those kind of USPs for, for me and my business, I suppose. And I actually trained with someone who was a sports psychologist and then she'd moved it into actors and singers and how you can perform under pressure. So I love as well seeing how, you know, I don't think that all of us always need to know the childhood story or the why or unravel every piece to be able to move through it and move forward. Absolutely. There's a massive place for therapy and trauma work and all those things. And that is not my space. Although I, you know, I have tools where I can go deeper with people, but I do quite love it when I can just pull out a performance psychology hack, you know, and be like, right, you're going to go on a TEDx stage or you're going to go do that live or that first launch or whatever it is. And really see how, you know, by by utilizing that, they prove it to themselves. You know, they see how capable they are, even if they can't remember a word they said because they they've yeah, done it. Like they've done it. Yeah. That competence, uh, confidence, competence cycle. There's there's a quote I love by Rich Litvin, um, which is confidence is a result and not a requirement. And I really think I love that quote so much. And I think a lot of people wait until they're confident and wait until they've got their mindset sorted and wait until they feel calm and there's no fear anymore, which is not really going to happen. It's how can you make friends with fear? How can you learn to dance with it? How can you see that it's there for you? And so I do love that piece, even though there's so much more that goes into it where I get to just go, right, I want you to focus on this. I want you to look at that. And then they get to go call me later and be like, holy, I did it. Yes, you know, because (laughs) that door has opened. And once it's opened, you know, that momentum can start. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love the impact that you can have on people by just giving them permission to do these things. So if somebody wants to come and check out what you're doing, learn a bit more about visibility and maybe even go and see some of the other films and some of the other stage work you've been in, where is the best place for them to find you? So probably the best place to come visit me is Instagram. So I'm at Florence underscore Andrews underscore coaching. And then you can click the link in my bio. There's lots of different links to to go further and deeper there. But yeah, that's where I hang out most. Brilliant. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you for being here today. I've kind of want to ask you for a piece of gossip about somebody famous, but I feel like maybe, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll be stopped recording. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll wait till we stop recording. I'll ask you everything. um, Congratulations on all of the success that you've had in the last year. It's pretty impressive to watch. Um, And I know you're going to do big things in this space as well and help so many people get more visible because I really want people to be more visible and share their message. So thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for listening, as always. And I'll be back next week for some more advice for you. I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.